What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Paulo Arduino is the CTO at both Bitfinex and Tether. In this conversation, we talk about Tether, whether it's backed, how it's audited, what all of the rumors around Tether, what's true and what's not. I really enjoyed this conversation with Paulo, and I hope that you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Fundrise. You all know I believe that the best investors both understand and seek out extreme asymmetry. Fundrise is here to help you do just that. It's the largest direct-to-investor real estate investment platform out there, giving you the opportunity to achieve upside of an asset class previously reserved for institutions and high net worth individuals. That's right. Fundrise is making high-end private market real estate investing accessible to everyone via an easy-to-use automated platform. It's 1 million users already know that the investment with Fundrise is capable of producing strong appreciation returns and income generation while helping to stabilize a diversified portfolio. That's more important now than ever in our inflationary environment. See for yourself how over 190,000 other investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started with as little as $10. Go to Fundrise.com slash POMP today, and for a limited time, you'll get $10 when you place your first investment. Again, that's Fundrise.com slash POMP. Go check it out, and when you make your first investment, they'll give you $10 on top of it. Fundrise.com slash POMP. This episode is brought to you by 8Sleep. 8Sleep is the single best product that I have purchased over the last three years. It completely changed my life. I'm not joking. Pay attention. The Pod Pro cover, which goes over your mattress by 8Sleep, is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can go to 8sleep.com slash pomp to check out the Pod Pro cover, and you save $150 at checkout. They currently ship within the United States, Canada, and the UK. Now, I told you, it changed my life. It helps me sleep deeper, helps me sleep longer. I feel much more refreshed, and I have better energy. You want to know how I have relentless energy every single day? It's because I sleep on an eight sleep. Seriously, go check it out. Eightsleep.com slash pomp today. Today's episode is brought to you by Copper. Since 2018, Copper has been at the forefront of institutional digital asset development. From award-winning custody solutions to creating the first truly off-exchange settlement function, Copper pioneers technology, products, and services in lockstep with a rapidly changing world. No other infrastructure provider covers as many assets across as many exchanges with the speed and security that Copper can offer. To learn how Copper helps the world's largest institutional investors secure their digital assets, head over to copper.co. Again, Copper, the unfair advantage. Check them out at copper.co today. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Paulo, you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you very much, Pomp. Awesome. What about you? Well, I have, I have a question that's a little out of left field to start with. Uh, you've been doing a lot. I know that you hear all the chatter on the internet. You've been pushing forward the uh, work in, uh, in Switzerland. You got Bitfinex. You got Tether. You got a lot of shit going on. One of our sponsors is 8Sleep, and I sleep like a baby now because they make it super cold. What's your sleep schedule? How the hell do you get all this done? My sleep schedule is actually terrible. So... <laughs> 
since I started working in Bitfinex, I, you know, I, I sleep only at uh, one hour chunks per night, like one hour, then I wake up, check the phone, check everything, then go back to sleep and so on since like six years. So I'm not the right person to talk about sleep. All right. That's fine. We got to get you eight sleep, make it super cold. And then you'll sleep like a baby. And then you're like, oh, I solved all my problems. <laughs> I will try that. I will right. definitely try that. Now let's get to, let's get to the hard stuff first. I, I told you that I'm going to ask you all the questions. I got nine gazillion people messaging me. I got hundreds of people who responded to the tweet yesterday with all these questions. They basically fall down into a couple of different things. Let's first start with Tether, and then we'll talk about what the work you're doing in uh, Switzerland, and then we're going to talk about Bitfinex itself. But with Tether, the big question everyone wants to know is, is it backed mm -hmm. one-to-one to dollars? <laughs> and I'll, I'll ask it that way in terms of, I think there's a bunch of different ways you could answer, but that's what everyone wants to know is, can I have confidence if I hold Tether that it's actually backed one-to-one to, one to dollars? How do you respond? So it, the answer is definitely yes. Um, how you know that? So um it's it's in it had been in the public so in um, 2021 so just a little bit more than one year ago tether settled with the new york Attorney general and then later on with the cftc so um after uh, the settlement especially the first settlement tether started to provide what is actually the current um, standard for for stable coins that is uh, the um, attestation so um, with the attestation, Tether shows that uh, every uh, single USDT, all the Tether tokens, um, are backed 100% by reserves. So um, that happened um, uh, pretty soon after the settlement with the New York Attorney General and after, uh, uh, you know, and it's a process that is ongoing on a quarterly basis. So on a quarterly basis, Tether is um, uh, offering uh, these attestations. And uh, uh, even more so after the first attestation that happened um, in February 2021, um, the, the following one contained another uh, piece of information that at that time no one was offering that was the uh, breakdown reserves. So we went one step further and started providing the breakdown reserves. So showing how the portfolio was composed, right? So we could have not have done that, but yet we did. And then, uh, of course, that uh, that um, raised some questions, especially on the commercial paper side. And then we went one step further, and we also provide um, a breakdown of the ratings of these reserves. Right now, uh, it was um, made public that the vast majority of all the commercial papers are uh, actually A2 or rated A2 or better or both. So A2, A1, A8. Um, by, uh, you know, not just by a random guy, but by the uh, standard course, that is the agency that uh, rates uh, almost everything in this world, including the treasuries. So uh, the point we have been always making is if you trade, if you uh, trust standard poor uh, with, uh, with the ratings that they provide to you know, all the, you know, all the past instruments, um, you should also uh, rely on this, uh, on this evaluation when it comes to understanding the risk of terror. Also, we have provided, um, we have been providing the, this information also um, uh, to the New York Attorney General in a quarterly basis and so on. Um, so long story short, that all the Tether tokens are, are more than 100% back. And when I say more than 100% back, it means that Tether has um, additional reserves that are kept. So all the activity that Tether has been doing over the last years 
uh, all the profits have been capped in the company to increase the backing um, so that uh, uh, all, there is an additional buffer, a cushion uh, for um, backing the Tether tokens. Awesome. When I give you dollars and I get Tether back, what do those dollars go? Are they being lent out? Are they being held? Are they being invested in bonds or some types of securities? That's the second big question everyone has. It's like, what happens to the dollars when they go in? Uh, and, and as a way, I think most people are trying to underwrite like it, what risks they have. So when um, someone buys Tether uh, from, from Tether.io, so you register on the website, you go through all the KYC um, and all, all these procedures to uh, ensure that you can you are um, a good participant from for the Tether primary market. Then these dollars go into uh, Tether bank accounts. From there, there is um, uh, they, they will be allocated to the portfolio. So just one important uh, information, right? We talk about the breakdown reserves uh, that show that we had uh, a concentration of commercial papers um, that uh, also we claimed in, in um, six months ago that given the feedback we got from the community, we would, uh, uh, we would start decreasing the allocation of commercial papers. And um, in the last six months, the uh, allocation of commercial papers uh, went uh, down 50%. Why am I saying this? Because ask where uh, Tether, um, the, the dollars that have been sent to Tether, where they go, right? So they go in this, um, uh, in this uh, portfolio that is composed by cash, cash equivalent, equivalent uh, treasuries, commercial papers, and so on. So um, the the way we address the risk is through um, a team of people that have uh, you know uh, decades of experience in um, in uh, managing uh, portfolios. They also run uh, a really thorough uh, risk approach. So we, on a weekly basis, we analyze the risk of the portfolio using uh, all the black swan events, including the 2008 crisis. Um, and we know that uh, um, in, uh, in all these situations, all the tether will be redeemable. Also, it is important to know when, again, you ask about risk, it's important to know that uh, um, we, tether never refuse one redemption at any point in time. Even when 2020 was March, I believe that we, we just uh, recently got the anniversary, it was the 12th of March when uh, Donald Trump closed the inbound flights to uh, US, the, the stock market and also the crypto market started losing a um, ton of value uh, up to 50%. And also at that point in time, we never had an issue in processing any redemption. Can you talk a little bit about what the impact of Tether on the market has been? Uh, obviously, there's tons and tons of people around the world that want to use these new types of payment rails, uh, but they want stable value. So for whatever reason, whether uh, they're right or wrong, they view Bitcoin or Ether or any other cryptocurrency as volatile uh, in U.S. dollar exchange price. Um, and so they want that stable value, which Tether was the first to provide at scale globally. W what has been the impact of global adoption here? Well, Tether was born in 2014 and was the first stablecoin, right? So nowadays, everyone talks about stablecoins, about CBDCs. We are discussing with the regulators, with central banks as well. And yeah, it was created um, as a, a simple idea, actually, because the idea of Tether was, let's take the brilliant innovation that, um, that, is, uh, that was blockchain, that was powering power Bitcoin, and apply it to the dollar. So Tether is a dollar on a blockchain. Uh, simple. It's, it's, it's really sounds simple now. Uh, back in the time when uh, 
uh, all the exchanges in 2014 were sending back and forth wires and uh, swearing because there were the wires were either blocked or laws were taking like uh, several days to clear. Uh, that was a brilliant innovation. And um, so um, Tether was born as a way to optimize the uh, trading strategies of, of um, crypto traders. Because back in time, that was the top for, in 2013 was the first time uh, Bitcoin price went above $1,000. And uh, we were seeing uh, spread across exchanges that were massive. At, at some point, there were spreads around 20%. And in any, in any financial industry of respect, you, you need to ensure one thing that is called arbitrage. So the arbitrage activity is the thing that will keep the price of uh, the same asset uh, in line across multiple trading venues. But in order to do so, you need to be, to be able to move to transfer funds. Um, the two, actually, the two legs of a trading pair, like Bitcoin US dollar, is composed by two legs, the Bitcoin side and the dollar side, right? So in order to have a proper trading market and a proper arbitrage across multiple, multiple trading venues, you have, to, um, you have to be able to transfer Bitcoin and dollar at the same speed. In the traditional financial markets, you would you would send you know um, your your stock um, holdings and your transfer dollars in, in the same way because the, you know it's a cross custodian transfer. But with Bitcoin, is is not the same thing. So you can move Bitcoin at you know in ten minutes from one exchange to another. The average block time for Bitcoin is ten minutes. But dollars were taking from one day to five days to clear, and you know your arbitrage opportunity was was gone. And arbitrage means basically that you want to sell Bitcoin on the exchange where the price is higher and then move back the dollars that you earn in that way to the exchange where the price is lower and then buy Bitcoin with those and transfer Bitcoin way back to the exchange where the price is higher. So you do this back and forth with, with uh, important masses and then you keep the price in line of, of across all the exchanges. Right? And Tether kept um, kept growing due to this uh, this interest because you know we Tether went a little bit flat between 2014 and 2016, but then in 2016 exchanges like OKX and then OKCoin um, actually then eventually Uobi and then I recall Poloniex was actually the, the the biggest exchange at that time that started to list Tether or all their pairs, all the crypto pairs, all the new ICOs against uh, USDT. And then uh, between X had the same thing. So we started to see enormous arbitrage, of, uh, enormous arbitrage opportunities that were eaten up by you know, all the new professional trading firms that were coming to crypto. And they were all starting to use Tether. And now today, Tether is being traded across almost every single exchange, I would say every single exchange in this world. Uh, we have seen recently in the last um, year or so that also um, Coinbase started to, to accept uh, Tether and allow Tether trading. So Tether started as um, a simple instrument, a simple tool for traders to optimize their trading activity, to allow arbitrage. But now it, in the last two, three years has been established as a you know, cross-border payment solution as a um, uh, remittances solution, as a you know a micropayment solution, um, when the, with the growth of the diff of the adoption of different blockchains, especially once some uh, once with lower fees, Tether is more and more used as an instrument for for fast payments, and of course is also considered an instrument of freedom. We are seeing that with uh, you know, also the in, in uh, being accepted in Ukraine by officially by the. The Ukrainian government and also in um, uh, the, the Democratic Party, the Democratic movement in Myanmar, 
they claim they they they, they suggested they said they claimed that the tether was for them a legal tender. So uh, it is of course is spreading in many different directions. Um, really, honestly, many more directions that we originally mentioned. When you start to think about uh, kind of moving forward here, CBDCs are coming from various governments. Is that something that would be uh, competitive with Tether? Could Tether be adopted by a country? How, how do you think about um, the, the way that CBDCs interact with Tether in the future? So uh, this is one of the most interesting questions because, of course, the first thought that um, people have is CBDCs could kill private stable coins, right? Probably issue stable coins like uh, Tether, like uh, you know, USDC. Um, I don't think it's the case. So first of all, uh, Tether is, um, is uh, or privately issued stable coins are the ones that are running on public blockchains. So I, I doubt that uh, the Central European Bank would uh, issue Ethereum or Tron or, you know, or Algorand um, and, uh, you know, uh, directly. So uh, privately issued stable coins are the ones that would wrap uh, potentially CBDCs and issue on public blockchains. But also I come from the traditional banking world, right? I, before joining crypto, I spent my time in, uh, in work in London, building software for banks, hedge funds, and the custodians and so on. And um, the reality of things is that the entire um, the entire uh, technology that runs the traditional financial world is terrible, is uh, is outdated, and uh, you know is is runs on a technology that was built 30 years ago, and uh, there are is is full of rather rubber and bands. Now, I think that uh, one of the most interesting things and innovation that that would that uh, CBDCs could bring is actually finally replacing the um, interbanking settlement layer um, that is, uh, you know, again, is, has been patched, spun in, 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 uh, in a really complicated way for so many years, that could be replaced by a blockchain. The beauty of a blockchain from a technological point of view is that everyone is looking at the very same thing, right? You look, I look at balance and the number, I'm synchronized with, with the blockchain, with the node, I see a balance, you see the very same balance, right? So that would solve um, many of the issues of the reconciliation issues that banks have, um, as well as will reduce dramatically the cost of maintenance of all the uh, technological infrastructure of these um, of central central banks and all the banking systems, all the you know small, medium sized and top tier banks they have. So it will, in a certain way, it will reduce the cost of banking dramatically. Just uh, switching the, the transport layer for money for traditional money. So uh, to summarize, I don't think uh, there will be uh, CBDCs are in direct competition with uh, with uh, privately issued stable coins. They can definitely coexist. Joe, what questions you got? And my question would just be around the adoption of, uh, of, of Tether and Bitcoin in general. Obviously, we saw with El Salvador, uh, Bitcoin was made legal tender last year. I know that you were a huge part of, of doing a similar process uh, in Switzerland. Uh, what does success look like for you there? Is it a certain number of transactions done with crypto? Is it something else? Is it startups funded? Just talk through a little bit of kind of how you're, you're measuring success. So I think that um, success for me is, uh, first of all, awareness and education, right? So is uh, ensuring that um, the majority of the people of the country or the city, they know that they have a choice. So uh, also I, um, I can talk about Switzerland. So what uh, is being done in Switzerland is actually 
a setting up a process for which and a set of funds for which um, we uh, we don't we can uh, provide technological and legal support to all the small, medium, and big businesses in the area, so that no one gets left up. Left up, right? So that is a, is the business that can decide. The business all business owner can decide whether whether or not they will accept crypto, Bitcoin, Tether, and, and so on. And the beauty of it is that it's all about freedom, right? So I don't think that uh, you, know, you should force people to uh, to accept a technology that they don't understand or they, they don't want. What I, I like about the approach that we are taking is that is it the education first. We are also providing uh, funding for five hundred different uh, five hundred scholarships uh, in the three universities in the area uh, to provide enough um, education also to young minds and uh, and and kids. To, to learn about uh, the technology and then growing uh, and helping them so and pushing them to help uh, on the um, businesses on the territory to understand the technology as well and understand the impact that this technology could have. First of all, is uh, again um, a better uh, transport layer for money, so that will reduce also the cost, not just on a global scale like we were talking about CBTCs, but also on a local scale. And also, uh, in my opinion, one of the most interesting things is the opportunity right now. Everyone, uh, all, many countries and, and potential cities are talking about supporting Bitcoin, but no one actually have um, is developing a framework for this to happen. So the plan B in Switzerland was actually this framework, right? So a, a, ser a series of, uh, of clear steps to bring adoption um, to the local community. Because after the announcement, you, uh, after the announcement we made on the 3rd of March, you, you can imagine like a, a grocery in Lugano scratching uh, his head and the owner of such groceries scratching his head thinking how, okay, it's all nice, it all sounds good, but how, how I can connect, um, how can I accept Bitcoin? And, as, and moreover, how I can accept Bitcoin and integrate that with, uh, our, with my own point of sale or with my accounting software. So it's not just about accepting Bitcoin, but accepting Bitcoin in a, in a transparent, in a way that will make comfortable business owners to integrate in their existing payment flows because they might have um, um, uh, employees, they have to pay these employees, they need to understand the effects risk and so on. So it is about education and it, it is about also providing funding because we, uh, I believe that one of the best uh, experiments that someone can do is to provide enough funding to uh, allow business owners to do this jump without any financial risk. So they can, uh, instead of asking them to invest in the technological resources to accept Bitcoin payments, we want to cover their, that angle for them so that there, we can see on a, a global scale how a city who could potentially benefit from the adoption of, of Bitcoin. So, um, you know, also we all know that, uh, first of all, the, the funding that we are putting together across the multiple companies um, is an important amount of uh, money. At the same time, you know, is, um, is money that, you know, with the Blinkon and I would flow in Shiba or some other, you know, other token, new token. So, there is no reason why companies like us and in other places maybe uh, could um, start voting a small part of their revenues to 
help local businesses and cities to start adopting Bitcoin. So that is our angle, right? So, you know, we, we have two successful companies. If, you, if we are not actually trying to put the money we earn at, uh, you know, to keep sustaining the, the, the industry that helped us to succeed, then, you know, it, it wouldn't be nice. It would, it would be all being in for the money and not for the technology. And, you know, many says that they are in for the technology, but only when you actually dedicate yourself to achieving the goal and, you know, reinvesting in the technology, you can actually say that. Um, so when it comes to, uh, and I believe that there is an interesting comparison between Switzerland and El Salvador, because Switzerland is going is uh, is looking at the integration and support of of, uh, of Bitcoin um, differently from um, from El Salvador, right? Lugano is a rich city, so they would need, they would uh, support would support Bitcoin and Tether because of the um, financial opportunities that could derive from that. For example, increased tourism. We know that our industry, for for better or worse, is uh, is a religious industry. So you have people, there, is a, there, there are tribes. So these people, they also myself, right? I would like to be able to spend directly Bitcoin or, or Tether in, in, a, in a place. So I would more go to a place, to a hotel more gladly if I know that I, have, I, can, spend, um, I can spend Bitcoin. And like me, there are a ton of other people. And that could be ideally in, in Europe and in many other uh, and in all the other continents. So I believe that uh, trying to attract uh, this, uh, the people, the, the, the crypto folks that want to, to spend first in crypto, remain in crypto, like a circular economy in crypto, then that could dramatically change also the tourism landscape of a small city like Lugan. And um, to back to the comparison with El Salvador, that is uh, the other interesting part, right? El Salvador instead is, um, is a country that is not rich, right? So they are actually, they are looking at Bitcoin as a, an, an opportunity to have actually a bank account, right? So many of, of, of people, of, of the citizens in El Salvador, they don't have a bank account. So they are actually using Bitcoin to, uh, as a first necessity to be connected to the financial system, to have access to financial services. So the beauty of it uh, for me is that um, we have two stories. One is a rich city and the other is uh, you know, not a rich country. And they are both looking at Bitcoin as a, a, for, for potential, for potential growth of, of their you know, uh, better life, local uh, growth of local businesses and so on. This to say, finally, that Bitcoin, the beauty of it is that Bitcoin is for everyone. John, what do you got for us? Paul, Tether is a clear leader in the stablecoin space. Its market cap is around $80 billion. Why do you think, or what has led to Tether's success? And then in regards to the other stablecoins, are they more competing with Tether to be the leader or are they complementary to Tether? So I, I think that Tether, uh, you know, the, one of the things that I'm more proud about Tether, um, and maybe I shouldn't say that, but uh, is the fact that uh, for a long time, we didn't have um, any, any marketing team. So everything that's been achieved, right? We are seeing the normal growth of Tether in Turkey, in Venezuela, in uh, in Argentina, and all this this country where where uh, where you know the, the inflation is high. Is the success is not due to our merits, but just because Tether created a, a, an usable tool. So. And that's that's kind of making me mm, proud because you know it's one thing is uh, getting success if you are if you are uh, investing ton of money in marketing 
Another thing that I believe is more beautiful, if you are getting to success, if you are actually, if you are just because your product is useful. Of course, now we are, um, as you might have seen, you are, we are improving the communication and uh, we have, we are forming a really strong team. But the success of Tether have been become, is due just to the fact it's uh, like a super simple product is, um, is useful to many people. And our approach is, has not been focusing on, on rich countries, actually. Um, it has been starting from, you know, the, the last, right? So uh, in general, you, you know, Bitcoin um, and, uh, and, and Tether and stable coins, for me, are products for, for the people that, uh, for all those people that don't have access to a bank account, right? So not because there are more than 2 billion people that don't have access to bank account, not just because, not, not because they are, you know, uh, maybe bad people. It's just because they are too poor to have a bank account. And that is quite sad, right? Because just even say that someone is not rich enough and he does not even arrive to the threshold, to the, to the bar, to have his bank account open, that's quite sad. And I believe that uh, Bitcoin and Tether are, um, uh, are helping to fix that. First of all, also, we always thought that, uh, to Tether as not a replacement for Bitcoin. So we would never pretend that. Tether is a centralized um, stablecoin. It represents a dollar and is like a mere servant of, of Bitcoin. It's, uh, is the thing that uh, is helping the onboarding of fiat money into the into our industry. It will it is smoothing the, this onboarding and um, the realization of that. The fact that we are not trying to replace Bitcoin with uh, with a stablecoin, but actually we 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 plan to, we are our aim is to be complementary. To Bitcoin is, I believe, what is is driving adoption and driving trust in our community and so on. It's like we are you know, uh, quite uh, humble in that sense. And the fact that we are again, we are concentrated, we are focusing on our all our energies in the emerging markets because they are the ones that are with, that need more help. So, uh, of course, we as Tether, we are not uh, we are not servicing U.S. customers. Um, if you are a US person, you cannot, uh, um, uh, you know, we, you cannot buy tethers from uh, tether.to and so on. That's, you know, it tells a lot about our, our strategy. It's, you know, we, it's better for us to leave the uh, US market to US based stable coins like um, USDC, there is Paxos and uh, some other that I'm forgetting. Uh, and, you know, we want just to focus on the rest of the world that needs more our help. Paulo, before we let you go, uh, What's your message to everyone in terms of the work you're doing in Switzerland, Tether, Bitfinex, et cetera? If you had to sum up in one sentence, like what is your goal in the uh, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency world? I think that uh, everyone can make the difference. I mean, I know that um, it sounds uh, obvious and uh, yeah, it sounds obvious, but um, what we wanted to do in, um, in El Salvador and in Switzerland is, is trying to help uh, from a smaller scale, right? It's really harder to orange peel a uh, you know, huge nation and powerful nation like uh, like US. I know that there are many people that are also succeeding in in getting um, the Bitcoin world um, into the into the into US and at any level, right? But I believe that um, there are many of us that have connections with small cities, with the administration of small cities. And every little bit, every every drop in the ocean helps, right? So if we all focus to um, in education, in in directing resources that can be, you know, just time resources, financial resources, if possible, um, and putting maybe in connection um, 
players like uh, players like ourselves, but many others in the, in the crypto industry, to provide help, to provide financing to you know to, to cities that want to explore the adoption of this new financial system, um, the better financial system, for my in my opinion, uh, that that will matter. They will matter a lot. It's amazing answer. Uh, where can we send people to find you on the internet uh, before we let you go? Um, on Twitter at Paolo Arduino. Um, thank you very much for having me today. You uh, you killed it, my friend. Please keep uh, keep pushing the pace. I think you're doing fantastic work. Obviously, the results speak for themselves, and we'll <laughs> definitely have you back on again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Enjoy All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more, and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.